It's as though we come to this life with a toolbox and everything we need to be successful in this life is already packed in the toolbox. We just have to go digging around in the toolbox and take out the tools and say, okay, I'm going to try this one today. Hi, I'm Michelle Rios, host of the Live Your Extraordinary Life podcast. This podcast is built on the premise that life is meant to be joyful, but far too often we settle for less. So if you've ever thought that something is missing from your life, that you were meant for more, or you simply want to experience more joy in the everyday, then this podcast is for you. Each week, I'll bring you captivating personal stories, transformative life lessons, and juicy conversations on living life to the fullest with the hope to inspire you to create a life you love on your terms with authenticity, purpose, and connection. Together, we'll explore what it means to live an extraordinary life, the things that hold us back, and the steps we all can take to start living our best lives. So come along for the journey. It's never too late to get started, and the world needs your life. In this episode, I speak with Lori Pine, the Joy CEO, a veteran corporate VP turned life and leadership coach on how to reclaim your joy and find your purpose. Lori draws on anecdotes from her own life as well as her coaching practice to take us on a journey on how she found the courage to face a myriad of adversities from divorce and single parenthood to navigating corporate America as well as the tough decision to eventually leave a 25-plus-year career as a corporate VP in order to be more present for her family and herself. In the process of doing so, Lori not only restored her family, she found her joy and her life's purpose. This is an inspiring story of one woman's journey, but it doesn't just end there. Lori also shares how this midlife reinvention led her to coaching and how she's now made it her mission to help others find their joy as well. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Lori. Good morning. How are you? So great to have you on the show. Oh my gosh, such an honor. So happy to be here. Well, Lori, there's so much for us to talk about today, but I'm going to start where I start with all my guests, which is asking you the question, What does it mean to you to live your most extraordinary life? Oh, my gosh. So it brings me to the famous quote of Mary Oliver. And tell me what it is you plan to do with your one wild and precious life. Uh, That's what I think of. Something so far beyond the ordinary. And though we were made for something special, something unique, that only we can fulfill on this earth. And that motivates me. It gives me goosebumps. Yeah, yeah. Because you know you're here for a mission. You're here for a reason. A mission and a reason and a purpose. Even if we've lost touch with that purpose, even if we don't think we're that unique or that special, we are. All right, so at the core of this, you and I have a really special bond because we are both 
ladies from Maine. And no matter where you go in the world, you do not take the Maine out of the girl, do you? You do not. We are we are down to earth, solid girls from Maine. And that is really unique. <laughs> it's one of those things that no matter where I am, what country I go to, where I'm living, when I think of home, I've lived outside of Maine for now 30 years. I'm a girl from Maine. And there's something so authentic and real and deep in our roots about that. And I was so pleasantly surprised to find out that you also were from Maine. I was like, I need to speak to Lori. Fine, <laughs> we need to talk. But what I'm really curious about, Lori, is if you could tell us more about your journey to becoming, I love this title, the Joy CEO. I mean, what a fantastic title that you've come to. And there's got to be a great story behind this. So I was hoping that you could actually take us on a bit of a journey on how Lori Pine became the Joy CEO. Yeah, as with anybody who becomes something that she's really embodying and something that she finally loves, it's a tale of two cities. There was a time when I wasn't at all joyful. In fact, it was just the opposite. I was this young girl from rural Maine, hell-bent to get out, hell-bent to see the world, to prove myself, to make something of myself. And that ambition, that motivation to climb the corporate ladder, to make a mark, to prove to the world, but more importantly, to prove to myself that I was somebody, I was something really sent me on a, a bit of a path of destruction. As much as it did set me on a path of success, it was, they were really paralleled. And so I found myself with an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. I found myself married to somebody that I would ultimately divorce and raise two little boys on my own. I would find myself trying to juggle a big corporate job with two little boys as a single mom. I would find myself moving seven times. I had a lot of corporate moves and it seemed like every time I got sick of the kitchen wall paint, it was time to move anyway. So there was no point in getting attached. And there's, there's so many blessings in all of that, but there were some dark times. Yeah. And it really led me on a journey of how do I start to really take care of myself and, and go inward because that's where I'm really going to find the joy. That's where I'm going to do the work that will let me change not only circumstances, but change my thinking and ultimately change my life. It's so interesting because we've had such similar starts in life coming from rural Maine, from small towns, with the sense that to become something more than where we started was the goal and that our worth was outside of us. It was in that achievement, right? That when you say you were on this path of achievement and it brought a lot of blessings, because I, I know that well, but also a path of self-destruction, it resonates at such a deep level for me as well, because I was on that path. And it's amazing that our paths have crossed throughout the years. And we have been on very similar journeys of 
figuring out that all that we had been out to achieve and do, and frankly, we did, wasn't what was going to actually bring us joy. That's exactly right. All of those external achievements, titles, accolades, awards, the joy was not in those. When did that realization first come into play for you? So I think that there were glimpses of it, certainly, but I might have been a lot more stubborn than you and like, I can fix this. I can do this. I can keep going. <laughs> and it, that's it, the main in you. <laughs> and possible that grit that I can fix this. But really wasn't for me until about a year and a half ago when it was, it was a collision. And I had, I had been in survival mode for so long, raising these boys, seven years of single mom. I, I did remarry very happily ever after such a great story. But a year and a half ago, I'm in this corporate VP role and we're in the middle of a global pandemic. All, you know, all barricades break loose with the business and supply chain. And I'm now working these crazy hours just trying to keep up. And I have a team who's all over the country. They have young children, no daycare. Everybody's just trying to survive. And I have two teenage boys. One was a senior at the time. One was a sophomore. And my oldest son was graduating in 2020. And my youngest, had, we had just moved him to a small private school. He had been struggling in a very large public high school. And, and so it became very apparent to me in that time when my youngest really struggled. He did not do well in a Zoom classroom environment. Mm. He didn't leave his bedroom for weeks, if not months. And then I was so busy with the work that I wasn't present. I wasn't available to help him. And then fast forward to September, his brother, and they're the best of friends, left for college. Mm. And so now my youngest really started to spiral into a bit of depression. And I was aware, but again, I was still consumed by the work and the busyness and the all that I had going on. That when my son came home, my oldest son came home for Thanksgiving, he walked by my office and he said, Mom, we saw you more when you traveled every week and you're sitting right here in the house with us. And it was one of those moments of complete clarity, like a dagger to the heart. And I got it. Like In that moment, I got it. And you realize the things that are most important in your life are now at risk. It is such a familiar theme. So many people thought they were working hard before <laughs> the yeah. pandemic. And then you're like, oh, God, I'm home. I'm no longer commuting and I'm working 12, 14 hours a day versus the maybe the nine or 10 I had before. So you have this realization. You recognize something has got to give. Yeah. Take us from that moment to you're now deciding that that's it. You're going on a new path and you're the Joy CEO. Because that's amazing so, turnaround from that moment. Is, yes, it is. So I have a tremendous amount of faith and I have a mom who's in heaven. And I have this philosophy that if you have a mom in heaven, you likely have a bit of a super angel. So I call on her quite a bit. And um, 
I felt like I had a very finite period of time with Bryce left at home, with my youngest son left at home. And if I didn't do something radically different, I would have significant regret. Like I might be visiting him in a rehab or I might, like something was going to go significantly awry. And so I started having conversations with my husband that said, I think I need to resign and leave this job and stay at home for the next year and a half. And it was really out of any of my vernacular to be a stay-at-home mom. I had never been a stay-at-home mom, but here at age 17, I was now going to be a stay-at-home mom. And so God bless him. He was in full support. And that's what I did. So by April of 2021, I had hired an executive coach to help me with my planning, my mapping, what was I going to do? And I resigned. And I said to Bryce, I'm a stay-at-home mom. And he, his response was priceless. He's like, now? Really? Now? <laughs> 17. I'm 17. I'm going to be leaving soon. Yeah. And I Better said, late oh, than never. Right. <laughs> you and me, buddy, for the next year and a half. And, and what happened was miraculous. Mm. It was miraculous for him. His grades went from like a 1.3 GPA to his senior year. He got a 4.0 with oh, academic. Wow. He became the, the captain of his lacrosse team. We found a small college in Maine for him to go to. Uh, he's playing lacrosse for his college. Esteemable acts build esteem. I talk to all of my clients about this. I talk to my children about this. When you take small actions that build your esteem, you then feel good about yourself. And that's exactly what happened for Bryce. Small actions helped his esteem, which helped his confidence. And he started to feel really good about himself. But let me interject here because, yes, I understand that Bryce had to take those actions. But had you not taken the action that you took, that might never have happened. So it started with you. Yes. Yes, I was definitely like the pinball machine. I was like the you're the catalyst. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, did it? Do you think it's because he saw you? What I would say is probably your journey to radical self care. You did something that was probably completely out of character because you're responsible and you have always been a breadwinner and you had this really tremendous career. And you said, "Whoa." I got to step outside of this role and these hats and I need to focus on being a present mom for my child and for him to see this, wow, she's letting go of this. And a lot of this, let's be honest, our egos and and our self-worth are tied up in these titles and these jobs and these careers. Yes. This is who we are in part, part, but we're also moms. And for you to be able to say, this is the most important thing right now, and I'm going to be all in. Had to have just lifted him and recognize how much he mattered to you. A hundred percent. And that the proof was really in the pudding that I took such a significant action yeah. for him. Yeah. So you then start working with an executive coach. Obviously, you had a passion for coaching, and we've talked a little bit about this because we've had similar experiences as leaders within corporate environments, that natural bond. Again, I think there's a little bit of Maine in that, of wanting to connect with people. 
And you were doing mentoring and coaching throughout your career. So it is a bit of a natural progression uh, to take that and really lean into that in this new space you found yourself in. Yes, but what's really important to distinguish here and what your listeners might be able to really relate to is it wasn't so obvious to me. Mm. So when I went to my coach, I said, could you give me a test or something and tell me what my purpose is? Because it really wasn't obvious to me. And it was an interesting response from my coach. And she said, your purpose is within you. It's your gifts. It's the things that you're naturally inclined to do that you could do for hours, whether you were getting paid or not. And I'm telling you, that was such a game changer for me because I was really, again, looking for something external, some sort of validator outside of me, really for somebody to say, oh, here's like your SWOT analysis and bring it on there. Let me compute. You'd be good in these three professions. And that's not how it works. It's as though we come to this life with a toolbox and everything we need to be successful in this life is already packed in the toolbox. We just have to go digging around in the toolbox and take out the tools and say, okay, I'm going to try this one today. Yep. We have to unearth those gifts. Like they're already there. That's right. And so it was a really powerful um, moment for me. And now with the clients that I work with, they're able to have the same experience because I can take them through those exercises that say, no, 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 let's start to look for a breadcrumb trail. Let's start to look for where you're passionate because we all have these blind spots. So I go through all of this with Bryce. I hired this coach. I went and got credentialed in executive coaching for myself. And I was trying to decide who I wanted to coach and what I wanted to coach them on. And it would have been really easy to just coach executives on business, coach entrepreneurs on how to launch a business. I had those skills. I had been doing this for 25 years for some of the biggest brand companies in the world. But that wasn't what was giving me passion. So then I thought about like some of the pain points of things I'd gone through, divorce, single motherhood, challenging times raising a teenager. But then that felt really heavy and I wasn't sure I could do that all day, every day. And so then I really became inspired about this idea of joy because my life is joyful today. I've gone through some of that sludge and come out the other side. And so I really started to put pen to paper about how did I do that? What's the framework? What's that look like? And how could I take somebody else through it? And when I did that work and mapped it out, I went, there's a recipe. And I can really help other women because so many women, especially ambitious, bold, vibrant, corporate or entrepreneurial women who are goal-oriented, they are suffering in silence. Mm-hmm. I know them. I've been them. And Sometimes we don't even know what we don't know. We don't know that we're being dishonest with ourselves. We don't know that we're on this hamster wheel of lather, rinse, repeat. 
every day. And then on the autopilot. Right. Autopilot. The monotony just keeps setting in. And and we wake up and we've gained 15 pounds or our marriage is sexless or we don't know how to relate to our kids or talk to our kids or this job that we thought fulfilled us so much. We're like, who cares? Like, it's, it's not bringing us what we thought it did. It might have a great title. It might have a great paycheck. But our insides are empty. Talk a little bit about how you think of joy and how it differs from happiness for you. Yeah, so great question. Joy is earned. Joy becomes your essence. And nobody can take it away from you. It, it becomes your right because you've passed through some big blocks that were prohibiting you from experiencing this well that lives within all of us. Yet we block that well. We cover it up with fear, with resentments, with lies that we tell ourselves. I'm not not. Yeah, lack of self-worth is a big Oh one. my gosh. It's it's one of the biggest traps we as women especially fall into. And so joy then is if it springs as a well from within us and it gets blocked, our joy is one to admit and be honest that we are blocked mm-hmm. and that something's wrong in our life. And then to do the work to unblock it so that we can get back to this spring comes from within where we can be joyful no matter what the circumstances, right. no matter if we're walking through a dark storm or we're walking through life and life is full of sunny clouds right now. Joy is a place and a mindset and a well-being that everybody has available to them, yet we've shut, we've shut it down. Renee Brown, she's one of my favorites, and she says, we can make a mistake that doesn't make us a mistake. And I didn't know that for a long, long time. I, I was really caught up in this trap of perfectionism and that if I made a mistake, then I was a mistake. And I really needed permission to unthink some of those thoughts that I had to rewire. That was the epitome of my first marriage. So concerned about what other people were going to think if I left. So concerned about letting other people down. So concerned about these two boys and what if I failed them. But all the while, everything about the insides of me was screaming, get up. You got to leave. This feeling of being stuck. And I would verbalize that. I feel so stuck. And finally, one day, push comes to shove. And, and you're, I just said, I, I can't do this. Uh, and then you finally recognize that you're like, oh, I, I put myself through so much for so long. Right. For no real reason. For no real reason. Yes. You weren't ready. You weren't ready. I mean, that's the reason. But mm-hmm. but you realize, like, that's the only reason you weren't ready. That's right. That's right. And, and because I didn't 
have anybody to show me the way that said, hey, I've done this too. I, I see you. I see you. I see what you're going through. I see all the Pollyanna white fence BS, you know, white picket fence trying to make everything look pretty and everything look happy and Christmas cards and all the things. No. Right. And so I, I think the first step in joy is honesty. Like, where am I? What is happening? What's the biggest pain point in my life? Because typically there's one, at least one. At least okay. one. We're going to start with the biggest. And where am I being dishonest about the situation? Hmm. What do you think is could be people's biggest misconception about joy? That it's happiness. Hmm. That if I just do all these things, right? If I throw a party, if I go to the spa, if I get a mani-pedi, well, I, I have joy in my life. Well, all of that is so peripheral and it's not lasting. Real joy is sustainable. It's a state of being. It really is. Like people are like, I don't understand how you can be so happy. I'm like, well, I'm not happy in this moment, but I, I operate from a place of joy. Very different. And they're like, what do you mean you're not? And I was like, well, there's some things that are disappointing me right now that I wish were different, but we're going through it. My step point is joy. Like, yeah. I know what I need to do to take care of myself, body, mind, and spirit, yeah. so that I can move through this. But yeah, I agree with you. This part is not comfortable right now. Yeah. And you're not have particularly happy. The fact that you can say, I can be unhappy with something that's happening right now in my life, but I am still a joyful person is confusing to some. And yet it's very crystal clear to me now at this stage of my life. Yeah. It's that es it's your essence. From the inside out. The light. We talk yes. a lot about the light when you're lit from the inside out, right? Yeah. Yeah. And when you meet somebody who is not operating from that place, you know it immediately. Right. It's like a low vibe energy. Dark, just... negative, pessimistic. Yeah. Nothing works. Yeah. And it's interesting because you, heart, you immediately feel this tinge of like, uh, I wish they realized this is not what it's supposed to be or what you need to be going through. There is a choice. It's hard to get there sometimes, right? Like we had, we went through a lot of things to get to that place where we're like, oh, wait, I have a choice. <laughs> I can decide to operate here. And the more I operate from this high vibration of joy of positivity, of optimism, the more I have reasons to be joyful because it just keeps pulling in, right? You pull in more of that experience. And, and conversely, it's true. The more you operate that low vibe, the more the world and the universe gives you reasons to validate that experience you're having. Yep. I yep. back. So let's talk about joy specifically. When you're working with a client, when you're talking with somebody about let's let's cultivate more joy in your life, and you talked about uh, the like the first step is honesty. Where are you now in your life? How do you work with them to begin to understand how to go about cultivating joy? So honesty and an assessment of where you are. First step. First step. It's self awareness, mm -hmm. and. In this lather, rinse, repeat model, this autopilot model, 
there isn't room for a lot of honesty. So it really does take a third party to come in and say, I need to kind of hit you with a few hard questions. And it usually only takes a few hard questions. I had a client last year who was a seven-figure earner running her own business. And she had all the things. And it only took a couple of questions with her before she realized she was so depleted and so tired and had no energy for anything that she needed a pause in her business. And she happened to have a gap in between clients, big clients. She does major government where she could actually step away for six weeks. And when I first posed that to her and I said, can you take this six-week break? Terrifying. Absolutely not. There's no way. I could never do that. I, I have to go, 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 do. And over the course of the next few weeks when we met and this idea settled in with her and she became aggressive to it, it, it had to be her idea. Her whole life literally changed with a six-week approach. So she went from total resistance, I cannot take a six-week break because the world will come to an end and what will they think of me, <laughs> to, oh my God, yeah, this is exactly what I need. I'm going to embrace it. Yeah. So it's interesting. So she surrendered. So let, let's talk about surrender because what you just described to me is somebody who had a great deal of resistance to the idea of taking the time needed to heal themselves and go on a journey to recognizing that's exactly what they had to do. But it's a tough one, right? We feel like, oh my God, we're going to disappoint people. What will they think of me? You know, if I take time off, they'll think I'm weak. They won't think I'm as great as what I do. All of these things. But what you just described to me was an incredibly important yet difficult task of surrender. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yes. So surrender isn't something that anybody can give to anybody else. It is a process that happens for us on our own journey. But we can go through a process where surrender might be very likely. And with this particular client, she was so burnt out and so tired and all of the things, all of the external trophies, money, title, clients, big house. She had just moved into this multi-million dollar home. She had put on weight. She had lost touch with her, her own self-care routine. And she was a faithful woman. She'd lost touch with her faith. She, like she was really just in this robotic, autopilot mode and she felt very flat Mm. so in our in our work one of my greatest gifts is clarity when I'm working with a client they can come to me with this whole big story and it's got all this shaboom around it and he said and she said and this and that but you don't understand because I'm so but I have this gift of clarity where I can really just hit the nail on the head with a couple of simple questions. Seemingly simple, but they're profound and the timing is right. And in doing that with her, 
she surrendered and she said, I don't even know what's best for me right now. I have no idea. And so that's when some homework came in. Now, most executive women don't want homework because they're time starved and they say, I don't have time for homework. So it really became a journaling prompt. And I said, do this before you go to sleep, 15 minutes before you go to sleep. And what came out of it was what she would do if she had four weeks off. And her life came to light, light to light. She, she came alive. She said, I would do this with my daughter. I would do this with my husband. Together, the three of us could go here. I could walk every morning. I could go back to my Bible study. I could do all of these things that were important to her for her right. life. And when she got back in touch with that, well, that well opened back up. The rocks started to be cleared away. And then she could much more easily make a decision that said, yes, I, I want to block this time. It's really interesting because I think historical context of the word surrender is a sign of weakness. I surrender. I give up. And, and yeah, what we're talking about here is a transition of stopping the path that you're on and allowing the possibility you don't know where your block is right now, and I'm going to give up the resistance for a minute. I think about it in the terms of allowing myself to reconnect with that divine wisdom that comes from within, with what you know intuitively, deep within you, but you spend no time connected to it. So let's spend some time reconnecting and it's going to come. It's going to be a wellspring, right? That's right. And when we switch from our our head thinking to our heart thinking, we can change a lot about our life. That's where real surrender comes from. When I do some of my best thinking, I can get into a lot of trouble, right? You know, my best thinking got me into an eating disorder. That's how I coped with life for years. Right. And until I surrendered and said, I don't know what to do with this, but the pain of this is too great. And I need help. I need somebody who can help me overcome this because what I'm doing is not working. And that was a very pivotal point in my adult life when I got help in eating disorder. It's amazing to me how when you go through the process, solutions start to come from seemingly out of nowhere. And you're like, man, I have been resisting this for so long and now I can move forward. I can move through this. I really hope our listeners can think of the term surrender as allowing, and it is a sign of strength. You have limitations in your thinking, and you do need to allow the wisdom that you have within you to flow to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So what are some of the things that the Joy CEO does to stay connected, to stay rooted in this place of joy? So I make sure that I have things to look forward to. So ever since my boys were little, every Friday night is family movie night. And even though they're both in college now, my husband and I still have family movie night every Friday night and we snuggle with our two dogs. So I am also an avid traveler. I love to travel. I am not a big fan of the cold New York winters. So 
if I have travel scheduled and planned and booked to get me through these winters to somewhere nice and warm and sunny, that is very joyful for me. I have that to look forward to. I also have simple things that bring me joy. I'll get out and hike with the dogs, even if it's cold and gray. And their joy, Lucy is only one. So she is full of energy and she just abounds freedom and happiness and joy. And she'll just go running through those woods like, like she's just free. I have several friend groups all over the country because I was such a gypsy and moved around in my corporate life so much. And so I'm really intentional about friendships and meeting up with friends. And now I'm really intentional about making an impact and being of service to women. That is my mission, to help women who are suffering in silence have an outlet to change the trajectory of what could be more mundane into vibrancy and joy. And that gets me out of bed in the morning. Isn't that exciting? We've gone from this achievement mode as young women in our lives to realizing that the joy is in service. A hundred percent in service. Joy is in service. I, I try to, to remind myself each day, getting up and say, how may I serve? Because in the service, the connection that you can find with people that will just appear that need to connect. And then you get to have that experience of human connection and have profound impact. It might be a moment for you, but you have no idea how meaningful it was for them. Yeah. And that's just such a gift. Yeah. Such a gift. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for spending this time with me. It has been nothing short of joyful. I've really enjoyed every minute of it. I hope that you'll come back and talk to me again. Soon. Oh my gosh, it was so my pleasure and I cannot wait. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please take a moment to rate and review. If you have recommendations for future topics, please reach out to me at michellereosofficial.com. Lastly, please consider supporting this podcast by sharing it. Together we can reach, inspire, and positively impact more people. Thank you.